content of the following program is not intended to be a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, treatment, or cure. Always consult your physician or a health professional with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition. Ready, set, go! And the truth shall set you free! Welcome to One Life Radio. Hey, um, we are going higher. And it's One Life Radio. <laughs> you sounded so surprised there. Well, Bird's reading the paper. <laughs> that was the verbal equivalent of a deer in headlights. <laughs> Bird, I look over. I, she's got her head well, I'm her sitting, back to the microphone I'm, reading I'm, the paper. I'm sitting in my seat, I, <laughs> and I, but I didn't have my headphones on, and I was just reading, getting ready right up until the minute that we uh, go live, which we are now, everyone. <laughs> Welcome to One Life Radio and TGIF, and it's a fabulous Friday here at the One Life Radio studios. <laughs> We've got. <laughs> oh my gosh, I'm all. I'm all. Uh, I'm all. Did I say my name yet? I can't even remember. Did I say who I am? I hear. Furnished that free Fiaschetti rhymes with spaghetti. <laughs> with Jerry Caldwell, Marie Early, and I've got Dean Fiaschetti and Love Fiaschetti in studio with me as well, broadcasting live from Dallas, Texas, and on iHeartMedia as well as KMET in Southern California on ABC News Talk. And Dr. Gandy is <laughs> with us. Got Dr. Gandy with us. Yes, Dr. Stephanie Gandy, DVM. She is a doctor of veterinarian medicine and the owner of Lone Star Feline Health Center in Dallas, Texas. She graduated from Mississippi State University College of Veterinarian Medicine in 2007, and her love of cats motivated her to focus her career exclusively on, on feline medicine and surgery. Dr. Gandy founded and still owns Catisfaction Cat Clinic. <laughs> I love that. You can't know Catisfaction. You know we're going there. I know. <laughs> oh, my God. And Catisfaction Nuclear, I'm actually surprised I could say it as well as I did as I was reading it, but it just reads really well. Uh, but it's a radioactive iodine treatment center for feline hyperthyroidism in Madison, Alabama. She is the first veterinarian to open a privately owned radioactive iodine, iodine treatment center for cats in the state of Alabama and has cured many cats of hyperthyroidism since 2011. I can't wait to hear about all that you can find dr stephanie gandy at lonestarfeline.com that's lonestarfeline.com uh and on instagram at lonestarfeline uh, on instagram and I'm, I'm thinking right now the rangers parade has started congratulations again 12 15 oh at 12 15 i thought it was 12 o'clock but Congratulations again to our Texas Rangers. Uh-huh. <laughs> so, I know, right? But Dr. Gandy, such a pleasure to meet you. And thank you for joining us on a Furry Fabulous Friday here at One Life Radio. We're so excited to be talking about cats today. I don't know if we've ever had such a, a cat expert on the show before, but it's great to have you with us. So where did your um, love of cats come from? Well, gosh, um, thank you guys so much for that wonderful um, introduction. I really, really appreciate it. Um, and definitely go Rangers. We're still pretty pumped and riding off that that, uh, that great win. I know. So, gosh, you know, I wish that I could say that, that my love of cats was extremely like a, a linear progression. But, you know, initially it started, um, I was always a dog person. And my mother actually was afraid of cats when we were coming up. So we had a couple of cats that were that were outdoor kitties and I never really truly just 
adored cats until uh-huh. later on in life. And when I Me moved too. away to college, <laughs> I, I'm originally from North Carolina, ended up going to Mississippi State for both undergrad and veterinary school. And at the time, um, you know, as a college student, my parents didn't think it was a good idea, and rightfully so, to take the family dog or to get a dog um, and have that there at college with me. So I was like, you know what? I want a companion. I'm, I'm just going to get a cat. Mom, you never would let me get a cat in the house, so I'm, I'm going to get one. And uh-huh. that really just um, just kind of sparked the interest. And uh, Noah was my my first kitty that I had as an adult-only cat very quickly. Um, they're you know they're kind of like potato chips. You can't have just one. Uh-huh. Very added a second <laughs> and um, ended up just falling absolutely in love with them and was very fortunate to have an incredible feline-only professor at Mississippi wow. State um, who encouraged me to go the all-feline route. It was still kind of a, a relatively new concept in yeah. 2000, you know, the early 2000s as far as feline-only hospitals. Now you can find a lot you know, across the nation, but, but yeah, that was basically the start of it. Wow. I, under- you- I understand that whole thing about kind of collecting them. I have a, <laughs> a story I tell people. It's like, I used to own five cats and I had five because I did not want six, <laughs> but I, I re- really, I, I enjoy, I enjoyed it. I, I enjoyed, you know, watching the dynamic of the pride and the whole thing. Oh yeah. Um, well, I don't, I'm not going to one-up you here, Jer, but I got 11. Everybody that listens to the show regularly knows that. And like you, Dr. Gandhi, I started out, uh, I'm a big, I'm a dog lover too, and I have a lot of dogs as well. I basically run a private rescue here from my home, and uh, but they are fascinating, you know. Last night I had like five of them, I think, of the seven in the back of the house on the bed with me, all in their yeah. little areas, you know, just laying on the bed with the one dog, Susie, who sleeps on my bed. and uh, Just waiting for a potential cat explosion? <laughs> you get that many cats lying around in a Wait. room and a sound goes off and they all start flying in different directions. Oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. And uh, and last night, one of them climbed up the curtains and then jumped down on the bed. That's kind of a regular occurren- occurrence. A curtains. <laughs> <laughs> well, That's so funny. I love it when I, when I talk to but, but get it, right? We have seven. We have seven and two golden doodles. And uh, oh, wow. so, yeah, you know, and I hate this. I hate to say like normal people. So we're just going to say non-cat <laughs> people that don't really get it. And yeah. they're like, oh, how many cats do you have? I kind of brace myself before I admit exactly how many that we have. <laughs> yeah. You just got to kind of not got you, don't, you just don't care what anybody thinks. I mean, you know, <laughs> I, I have too much fun to even care. But, you know, but it's great that you're a specialist in this field. And in your in your bio, you talk about hyperthyroidism. So how common is that in cats? And what are some of the symptoms? Because I'm questioning, you know, if any of mine have it. Right. So, um, so hyperthyroidism is actually one of, you know, it, it, it flops. It's either the first or it's the second most common endocrine disorder of older cats. And, and it flops between diabetes. Unfortunately, we're seeing quite a bit of, of cats that are getting diabetes. Because is that from the a food? A lot of us, we, we overfeed our cats, right? We don't understand yeah. exactly... We, you know, we as Americans barely understand portion control for ourselves, but whenever it comes to our cats, a lot of us want to show love and appreciation mm-hmm. and affection to them by feeding them. And plus, a lot of us get rescues, and they're very food-motivated, and so yeah. um, that's how we show that we care about them. So it, it bumps back and forth between hyperthyroidism mm-hmm. and diabetes. The well, signs it- can be somewhat similar, but for hyperthyroidism... 
usually the, the, the number one sign that I see, ravenous appetite with weight loss. Sometimes there's a personality change, like they're a little bit more grouchy. They may be a little bit more anxious. Another thing, one of the very first things that, that can go with a lot of illnesses in cats is an unkempt hair coat. So the coat starts to look a little piecey, a little oily. Uh-huh. He's getting very thin, but you're, but you're just like, wow, they're just overly food-motivated, ravenous. I think I have um, one that has it. I'm thinking of my yeah. cat, Clementine. Uh, we rescued her from uh, Norman, Oklahoma. She uh, got hit by a car, and they were going to euthanize her. Oh. And she took a lot of rehabilitation to get her properly moving and uh, mobile again. And she's a wonderful cat, but she eats a lot, and then she throws it up. But she's thin, and her hair is a little piecey. Mm-hmm. I might have to bring her by to see you. So what That's can we do right. about it, Dr. Candy? So, and also, I'm glad you mentioned that about vomiting because that's another common sign that we'll see is a lot of GI disturbance. Number one, it's usually vomiting. On a rare occasion, we'll get kitties that have diarrhea as well. Yeah. So, there are um, a, a couple of different treatment options, and I'm going to go over a couple really quickly that, number one, what we first do is a medication called methimazole. It comes in a tablet. It comes in a liquid. There's also a topical cream that can be applied. I don't usually recommend that as often. But so you can use a medication to control hyperthyroidism. But the downside is it may seem a little cheaper initially, but it doesn't actually cure the disease. You're just suppressing the circulating amount of hormone in the body to keep it at bay. Yes, they will gain weight. Yes, the coat will get better, the clinical signs will subside, but at the end of the day, that nodule will continue to grow in their neck, which is a benign tumor usually on their thyroid gland. And what ends up happening is over time, you sometimes have to increase the amount of medication. There's also another form, is a, there's a diet called YD diet. It's a diet by Hills. Um, I am not a big fan of it along with a lot of other feline veterinarians because the main protein source, while we as people and even dogs can actually utilize plant-based proteins fairly well, Uh cats being obligate carnivores have a much harder time utilizing plant-based protein, the number one protein source for the YD diet, Mm -hmm. while it will control numbers and keep the thyroid at bay, the kitties tend to not um, get quite as healthy looking as they could because they have quite a bit of muscle wastage since they're not utilizing Mm -hmm. animal protein. Mm. And then we step into the actual cures of the disease. Number one, we have surgery, which is Um, a thyroidectomy where we actually go in, we make a small incision over the thyroid gland, and we actually remove the thyroid nodule. We always submit them to the lab um, for histopathology to confirm whether or not, you know, most of them are benign. Um, I see maybe four a year that actually are cancerous that are the adenocarcinoma version. Um, But regardless, removing of that tumor, whether it's benign or malignant, it's usually curative. It doesn't metastasize. And then what we mentioned is the radioactive iodine therapy. And that is, um, it's considered the gold standard. It's a favorite because it's actually a cure. It involves just one under-the-skin injection that's given by a veterinarian that has a nuclear license. Uh Um, And what ends up happening is the thyroid gland has a tumor on it. And the way that I try to describe it for my clients is like, it's like a bank. 
and the bank is being held hostage by um, by robbers. The robbers are the tumor. So what ends up happening is anything that comes into the bank, such as money, when we give an injection of radioactive iodine, it's like we're depositing iodine or money, and the greedy robbers or the greedy tumors grab that iodine, and they're stuffing it in their own pockets, not realizing that, hey, we really want this iodine, but not, re- not realizing that it's actually radioactive. So what mm-hmm. happens is it causes a very slow kill of the bad guys, of the tumor that's in the thyroid gland, leaving the rest of the thyroid nodule wow, perfectly safe. That is so, so and what's the cost? What um, is the cost, the, Dr. Candy? So the cost ranges in Alabama. My treatment, it is about $1,500 there. Um, that includes the actual injection, and that includes um, the state of Alabama requires a three-day hospitalization. Mm-hmm. I'm still working on my license here in Texas, and I believe, if I'm not mistaken, it's also going to be a three- or four-day mm-hmm. stay um, in Texas as well. Texas may, you know, prices, in, in especially in the Dallas Metroplex, real estate so expensive. Yeah. Um, it may be a little bit more here in Dallas, but usually it's under two thousand mm-hmm. dollars for the treatment and the stay. Mm-hmm. And it's Interesting. Secure, which is great. Yeah. No, that is great. Uh, yeah. I, it sounds like that's what's been going on with uh, with my little cat uh, Clementine. And uh, but I'm looking at the clock. We have to go for a quick break. We'll be back. Uh, more coming up with Dr. Stephanie Gandy. Our topic is Cat Care 101. Stay tuned, everyone. You are listening to One Life Radio. If you miss the show, not to worry. You can always catch the podcast after the broadcast at OneLifeRadio.com or your favorite podcast app. Be sweet, Barricade. (laughs) We've all heard the mantra that vaccines are safe and effective, but is it really true? Turtles All the Way Down, Vaccine Science and Myth is an in-depth review and analysis of the science on vaccine safety. By the time you finish reading, not only will you see the answer clearly for yourself, you will also have the scientific references and quotes at your disposal that prove it. More than 1,200 of them. From mainstream scientific papers and textbooks to official government publications and vaccine manufacturers' documents. Whether you are new to the vaccine debate or a veteran seeking a deeper grasp of the science, Turtles All the Way Down Vaccine Science and Myth is a must-read. Now available on Amazon. For more than a decade and a half, John Hewlett has been on a journey to share the miracle of nitric oxide, bioavailable vitamin D3, and other essential vitamins and nutrients with the world. His focused research and study during those years inspired him to create Cardio Miracle, formulated with over 50 of the finest ingredients, working in synergy to support optimal sustained levels of nitric oxide. Visit CardioMiracle.com to read John's amazing story, and learn about the health benefits of nitric oxide. That's CardioMiracle.com. For your heart, for your health. Hi, this is Kevin Nealon. Did you know that tens of millions of animals are killed in laboratories every year in experiments that don't improve human health? Nine out of 10 new drugs that work in animals fail in humans. Imagine if a mail carrier couldn't find 95% of houses. They'd be out of a job. So why are we still experimenting on animals like it's 1950? It's time for real research that can actually help human patients. Visit PETA.org to learn how to fight this wasteful fake science. Back with more positivity pouring out your speakers. It's One Life Radio. 
TGIF, everyone. It is Fabulous Fridays here at One Life Radio. This is Bernadette with Jerry Caldwell, Marie Early, and Dr. Stephanie Gandy. We're talking about Cat Care 101. You can find Dr. Gandy at LoneStarFeline.com or on Instagram at LoneStarFeline. And I love the discussion that we're having. She has a lot of cats. I have a lot of cats. I know there's a lot of cat nuts out there listening, <laughs> including you too, Jer. Uh, and, and the Marie loves cats, but I, <laughs> she only, she's got one uh-huh. and that's good enough i know we were gonna we have a well, you know, I you know, was that's, gonna... the, that's the thing about owning cats. When you when you own a cat, people are like, oh, that's nice. You own a cat. When you have yeah. two cats, they're like, oh, that's yeah. cool. He's got a cat, and the cat has a friend. That's wonderful. <laughs> if you own three or more cats, then you're that weirdo with all the cats. <laughs> oh, my gosh. I know. It's There's crazy. a definite well, cutoff there. Uh, I know, <laughs> right? Yeah, and people say, oh, what are you going to burn it up? You're going to turn into the crazy cat lady? You know, I'm like, no, I'm not. You Dr. Know? Gandy, uh, uh, Bernadette's daughter is getting married, and she put cats on her invitation. invitation and the top of her so cats are, uh, the top of her uh-huh. her cake toppers cats um and when i got married the second time i take uh, co- t- my cake topper was two cats and yeah we're just a big animal family we're all a bunch of animal nuts but you know marie's cat luna <laughs> was diagnosed with feline leukemia virus over a year ago and uh, she seems perfectly healthy what can what can cat parents uh or what do cat parents i should say need to know if their cat tests positive for this condition okay so that is a that's a really loaded loaded question so okay. there so feline leukemia is one of these viruses that um, it is very important to test. I'm of the I'm of the school and of the my mentors are like, listen, we need to be testing kittens when they're younger. Yes, we can get some false positives, but it's pretty important because what ends up happening, I have been and unfortunately just the last two weeks have been on the recipient end of individual, a young person who had adopted a cat. He was told that the kitty had leukemia, that the cat would clear the infection. And now here we are, and I'm having to give him terrible news that there's not a lot we can do for the kitty. It's ridden cancer and not doing well. Or a lot, every cat is different. About one in three can actually, can sometimes cure, cure or clean themselves of the actual yeah, virus. Right. Yeah. The, the issue is, is that what makes it tough is that whenever you, whenever you get a kitty that's positive, and let's say you're testing a very young cat and you're wondering, well, could this be maternal antibodies? Could this actually be a true infection? Or could this kitty be one that that can actually clear the virus. So you end up having to wait about six months in order to retest that patient again. And the testing can be quite confusing because you've got an ELISA test, which is a quick one that the vet can do and that antibodies can interfere with. You have an IFA test, which is a test that determines whether or not it's actually mated in the bone marrow or not, which is pretty um, terrible if it has. Um, and then, of course, there's a PCR test that's very, very sensitive as well. So, yeah, we know, know a lot about uh, those. Yeah, <laughs> right? yeah. So, and how ineffective they are. Wow. Yeah, so so they're kind of the testing can be all over the place. And um, years ago, we used to always every kitten that would come into a rescue situation or into a veterinary clinic they would be tested. Now there's a bit of a shift where, and I don't know if it's because of funds, if it's because of 
some of the, you know, hey, we're not sure if this, nobody wants to euthanize a, a, a 12-week-old kitten that tests positive for, for leukemia. And then sometimes, though, we don't have homes for these kitties to wait it out mm-hmm. for six months. Mm-hmm. Or some owners are like, listen, I've got young kids. I don't want to be, you know, I'm nervous about me and my kids getting emotionally invested with a kitty that could come back positive and, and be infected for life. Now, that being said, the clients that I have had that, hey, I've got a kitty that has that is feline leukemia positive, they are doing okay right now. Um, what we do and what we recommend in the home is what we would for any other cat except for strict indoor only. Um, definitely be able to provide some sort of environment enrichment. I'm talking climbing spaces you know, beds, um, if you can have an outdoor enclosed area that they can go to or a screen porch, um, that would be ideal things to reduce their stress load mm-hmm. because their immune system is, is it's, it's just not as mature. It's not as healthy, right. As a normal cat. So, um, the other thing that's really important is that, you know, the client needs to understand that anytime the baby gets sick, there's, it's going to hit them pretty hard. Everything should be taken very seriously. Um, and a lot of these kitties, the oldest leukemia positive cat that I have had live in my practice was seven. And she ended up passing away and succumbing to the disease because of cancer. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, I always say it's not like SIV, which is feline AIDS. You know, those cats, we, we have just, we have gone just leaps and bounds on our knowledge of the FIV virus, and and because of that, you know, one, we've come so far with even human HIV, and a lot of that is because we've been studying cats with with FIV as well. It it behaves very similarly. Mm -hmm. So with FIV, with that particular virus, those cats actually can, can live very long, normal lives, and I've had cats live to be 14, 15, even 16 with FIV as long as they're indoors, as long as we're doing things for environment enrichment so that they don't get stressed. Because just like people, when you're stressed, you're going to get mm-hmm. disease. It's the same with our cats. Oh, yeah, absolutely. So make, making sure that they're, you know, that they're comfortable and healthy. I tend to take leukemia a little bit more serious than I do um, FIV. With FIV, I'm like, yeah, absolutely. Intermingle mm-hmm. your cats. It doesn't matter as long as there's not deep penetrating bite wounds. And as long as you're not allowing your cat to free roam in the neighborhood and infect other people's cats, mm-hmm. FIV is, is it's, um, it's not as important. Whereas leukemia, it's just tough because I'm on the recipient in a lot where a cat wasn't tested. And then we've got an emotionally invested and a financially invested client. It's just devastated. Yeah. When you were talking... Dean meowed twice. He had something to say clearly. He's walking up towards the uh, microphone now. I don't know if he'll speak again. Uh, but Dean is a rescue cat that came out of a barn. He's a Russian blue. Uh-huh. He's quite a character, I'll tell you that. And uh, yeah, he's quite a character. And, um, uh, and um, you know, we've got just a couple minutes left uh, because we have to go to break here in a second. But one of the things that, you know, I wanted to quickly touch on um, is. Um, uh, do cats need to be bathed or groomed and also their basic nutritional needs for cats? I know I'm giving you all this, asking you all these questions, but, you know, I've often thought about making my cats own food because I do feel like a lot of these issues um, that would like, like the thyroid issue could be completely healed with the proper nutrition. 
Yeah, you know, and the sad thing about hyperthyroidism right now is we're not 100% certain what's causing it, Mm -hmm. but we do know that we're seeing an increase in it. So is it A? So these are a couple of theories. One, it has to do with the aluminum in the can when the cans are sealed. Typically, Mm -hmm. cats that have um, hyperthyroidism eat a can diet, which you know, a lot of us veterinarians are saying, hey, feed your cat a can diet. It's more uh-huh. extra moisture, blah, blah, blah. You know, you can make an argument for any kind of diet and, uh-huh. and health benefits, right? Uh-huh. Another theory is flame retardant in our fabrics. So indoor-only yeah. kitties, are, at a, are they at a more, are they at an increased risk of developing hyperthyroidism uh-huh. because of flame retardants in our furniture, our curtains, et cetera? Or is it because, hey, you know, our cats have gone from, the yard or the barn to the backyard to the Mm -hmm. front porch to now they're sleeping at the foot of our bed and we're actually we're becoming more knowledgeable um, about the very subtle signs of illness in cats that we're just Mm -hmm. diagnosing so um, now as far as making your own cat food there are some um, there's a great website it's kind of dated from a standpoint of it's not fancy with a lot of bells and whistles but it's called catinfo.org it is written by a veterinarian who actually has a balanced veterinary diet. I have had some clients that are incredible at making their own cat food and cat mm-hmm. diet that's balanced, that's rationed, that has all of the um, the uh, elements, the nutrients, the vitamins that cats have to have, especially when it comes to amino acids. Taurine's a big one, for example. If you don't have taurine in your cat's diet, they'll develop blindness. So that website is a very good launching board for kind of digging in and to, hey, could I potentially make my own cat's food? There's also several veterinary nutritionists that you can contact that will also help you formulate a diet if that's what you want to do. Interesting. Um, you... Oh, did we lose her? Hello? Hmm. Jer? Not sure what happened, but uh, that's unfortunate. Um, I, I just really was enjoying the conversation with Dr. Stephanie Gandy. Hello. Oh, there, there you are. There she are. is. <laughs> <laughs> we lost you. <laughs> yeah, so I was going to say, even with our bodies, you know, what we put in, it's so important because what you put into your body is, is what's going what's gonna to come out, right? You know, if we that's think right. of our bodies as a, as a vessel and as a machine mm-hmm. to be able to do and uh, do things that we enjoy doing or a cat, you know, you put... We lost her. Again. She's having a hard time. She's having a hard time. Well, you know what? Um, there, uh, there she is. Oh, there you are, Doctor. We keep losing you, Doctor Gandy. But we need to go to break anyway. I hope you'll come back again. Uh, so many uh, questions I didn't get to, me. and I think our listeners. I know I am. I'm really enjoying uh, educating myself about these things, and uh, I might just start making my own cat food. I want to talk about cat <laughs> behavior next time. Cat behavior, yeah, uh-huh. next time, and why they do the crazy <laughs> things that they do. Oh my gosh! All right. <laughs> Um, and, uh, yeah, I got the best cat toy the other day. I give a shout out to jo- Trader Joe's. They have the best cat toy for four ninety nine right now. Okay. It's like this long thing of wool bo- balls with little, uh, wool mice and birds and stuff kind of woven into it. It's really yeah. cute. Four ninety nine, really colorful. They're not paying for that. I just thought, you know, I'll help, help my fellow cat people out looking for a good <laughs> toy. Right. <laughs> And we lost okay. her again. Uh, yeah. Damn okay. it, Jim. All right. We're going to break, everyone. Stay tuned. Uh, we've got Lisa Genosa coming up. This is something you're not going to want to miss. We're going to be talking about her book, Incurable Hope, a Memoir and Survival Guide for Coping with a Loved One's Addiction. Stay tuned. You are listening to One Life Radio. 
follow us on social media at One Life Radio. Magnesium supports the health of nearly every system in the human body, yet it can be difficult to maintain healthy levels through diet or supplements. The ideal way to restore and maintain healthy magnesium levels is through your body's largest, most efficient organ of absorption, your skin. Be sure that your body is getting the magnesium it needs with Ancient Minerals, the number one recommended topical magnesium among health practitioners worldwide. Their lotions, highly concentrated magnesium oils, bath salts and gels make it easy to get the daily magnesium you need to thrive. And the best part? Ancient Minerals is part of Enviromedica, a name synonymous with quality and integrity. Learn more about magnesium and ancient minerals at Enviromedica.com. In the fight against corruption, together we are stronger. Join me at the Children's Health Defense Second Annual Conference, Rise and Resist, in Savannah, Georgia, November 3rd through the 5th, and learn how to confront corruption in big pharma, big government, big tech, big food, and all the regulatory bodies who are influenced by big corporate interests. At Rise and Resist, you'll hear from the most influential health freedom activists in the world, including Robert F. Kennedy Jr., Children's Health Defense Chairman on leave. Join the fight and remember, people over profits, truth over lies, courage over fear. Go to childrenshealthdefense.org to get your ticket. The Children's Health Defense Second Annual Conference, November 3rd through the 5th in Savannah, Georgia. I'll see you there. Want to advertise on One Life Radio? Send us an email, info at oneliferadio.com. Contagiously positive, One Life Radio is back. Welcome back to One Life Radio. This is Bernadette Fiaschetti with Jerry Caldwell and Marie Early. We are continuing our live broadcast here from Dallas, Texas on iHeartMedia, as well as KMET in Southern California on ABC News Talk. We have the pleasure and the honor of having Lisa M. Genosa with us. She lives with her husband in a small rural, rural town in eastern North Carolina, where she is practicing uh, is a practicing physician assistant. Her breath of exposure to health care, the legal field, and parenting and addict provides the foundation for her recently released book, Incurable Hope, a Memoir and Survival Guide for Coping with a Loved One's Addiction, which can be found on Amazon or anywhere fine books are sold. Lisa speaks to police, parole, and correctional officers, paramedics, nurses, and medical students, bringing positive change through substance use disorder, mental health, and crisis intervention education. She also works with an unprecedented heroin recovery program called SHARP or Sheriff's Heroin Addiction Recovery Program in North Carolina, helping incarcerated men and women who suffer from addiction. Her website is Lisa Genosa, and that's two N's, lisagenosa.com, on Facebook at Lisa Genosa, author. Such an honor and a pleasure to have you with us today, Lisa. Welcome to One Life Radio. Well, thank you so much. It is fantastic to be here. Yeah, and I'm so thankful you wrote the book. And I think everyone out there listening can relate in some way to having either mental illness or an addiction problem, either with themselves or someone that they love or a good friend or whatever it may be. But I really appreciate you joining us to discuss this today on One Life Radio and for writing your book, Incurable Hope. So can you tell us a little about your son, Tyler, and his struggles with addiction? 
Oh, absolutely. So uh, it, just telling you about my son, my son is, you know, to start, he is one of the most kindest, giving, caring, empathetic, very talented um, individuals you could meet, um, you know, like, like most moms will say, but yeah. Um, unfortunately, his struggles with addiction started around the age of 12 to 13 when he was really just faced with, um, you know, insecurities and things like that, those those tween years, those uncomfortable tween years. And, um, you know, even though he was loved to the moon and back, um, he had feelings of inadequacy. And so he kind of turned to something to feel a little more in his, in his words, normal. And so, but we didn't know anything about it. We actually didn't know for almost about eight years after that point. Wow. So he had been using for a long time. Yeah. And, and, uh, um, and so, you know, it, it really, uh, got out of control obviously. Yeah. And, and, you know, when, when consequences started to happen, uh, we became uh, unfortunately very vividly aware. Mm-hmm. It can happen to anyone, you know, it can happen to yeah. anyone. It's happened in my family. It can happen. It happened in your family. It can happen to anyone. And so, um, what, what substances did he start with? Do you know, was it just alcohol at first? It was, it was just alcohol. And you're so right. Um, they actually, the statistics are about 47% of the United States love mm-hmm. someone, know someone, work with someone with substance use disorder. So that's half the country essentially. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and you know, and it can get away from you quickly. It really can. But did did having a mother, uh, you know, your book, your book is 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 just it's it's wonderful. I'm not kidding you. And I wanna, I don't want to mm. jump ahead here, but uh, you know, we're ta- a lot of a lot of police and medical staff um, are not trained properly uh, to deal with addiction and mental health issues, are they? Absolutely not. Um, that was a big part of our our issue. Um, th- they are doing a better job of really. Um, bringing in individuals to teach crisis intervention training, de-escalation, pre-arrest diversion, things like that within the law enforcement communities. It's something that I took a, a, a special interest on with because of what happened to my son and really turning the tides for other individuals. So yes, um, it's still there's still a long way to go for both law enforcement and for the medical community, which I'm a part of and have seen you know, firsthand working in the emergency departments um, how inadequate, I guess, are we were, mm-hmm. were set up to be um, without the education and the training that is necessary to take care of individuals appropriately with substance use disorder and mental health disorders. Mm-hmm. Um, and But again, things are slowly, uh, slowly turning and, and some legislation is actually be, being put in place to um, have better outcomes for individuals with these disorders. Mm-hmm. And so often, as you write about in your book, uh, what begins as a physical and psychiatric emergency can easily morph into an, an incarceration and a felony, right? And I, I, I was yeah. just, I could not believe the way your son was t- treated. I was shocked when I was reading it in the book, and I'm going to read from it here in a second, by the medical okay. staff and law enforcement in Austin. Um, and so, yes. you know, I'm going to read a little bit, and then I'd like you to tell our listeners what that experience was like and how common are stories like this. So, you know, I'm, I'm, uh, it says gapping. Okay, so um, they had put a bag over his head. This was after he was incarcerated, right? My, my son later reported to me that they had put a bag over his head and left his hospital gown gaping in the front. So the entire front of his naked body was exposed. After arriving at the jail, my son sat on a bench for several hours and handcuffs, on 
unable to cover himself and begged for clothes. Eventually, they removed the handcuffs and he was able to cup his hands over his groin. My, studs, my son started uh, his evening with an impractical, nonetheless real suicide attempt and ended up in jail, scared and exposed. So I'll ask you again, how common are stories like this? Unfortunately, I wish I could say they were not. Um, they are incredibly common, uh, so common that when I, the thing I just talked about, the legislative changes um, that are being enacted are because of, of stories like my son's. Mm-hmm. Um, his experience was absolutely gruesome. Um, it really was the catalyst for my book. I really just started writing about it because I didn't know what to do with that pain. Mm-hmm. Um, but it did change absolutely everything for me and, and for him, too. And uh, there was so much to that evening. There's so much to that story that goes around it. Uh, there's so much that comes later for both, the, you know, in the book to help understand that evening better, but also in our lives. We didn't know for another, I'm going to think, um, about eight or nine years what had happened to him to kind of bring about that evening. So it's so much there's the the point of that is there's so much behind every individual story and the very people that we look to for help, whether it be law enforcement or medical providers were in our case, the the last people we should have ever interfaced with. Um, and as a matter of fact, there in the hospital, it was a mental health deputy in title and pay. <laughs> um, I don't think he had the adequate education or training to be a mental health deputy because um, of what he did to my son. Mm-hmm. So yes, there, there is a long way to go. Yeah. There's so many people out there suffering and, and, and the problem seems to be getting worse as far as the amount of people that are, you know, on, uh, you know, drugs for psychiatric illnesses or anxiety disorders, whatever it may be. And some of those drugs yeah. have very serious side effects, as I know you're well aware of. You and your husband are both. A, he's a physician, a family physician, and you're in a physician's assistant. So you see you see so much suffering. I know that you do because it's it's so prevalent in our society today, unfortunately. It really is, and the experience that we have gone through, though, has really helped us to help others. Mm-hmm. Um, at this stage, it's weird to say, even even as horrible as the story that you and I told just now, um, mm-hmm. there's a part of me that is very grateful for everything we've been through. Oh, yeah. Not exactly that part, but mm-hmm. the part where we can now take what we have learned and turn all that pain into some purpose. Yeah. And so in our, in our office, in our practice, and when I go and talk to other students and other um, organizations, I'm able to do a lot of much needed education and it's given me the ability to, to do that, mm-hmm. had, you know, and otherwise I wouldn't have. And so I'm able to help, you know, the people in my community that, that have family members going through this. Mm-hmm. And if they had not known my story, even today, so many people just won't bring it up. It, there, there's too much stigma around it. And oh, so they yeah. won't talk about it. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. It's 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 really brought forth a lot of individuals that are willing to share, and get get the help that they need. 
Mm-hmm. Absolutely. You know, we have to go to break. I, I hope you'll come back on a different time so we have more time to talk about that in, this in depth because I think it is a, it's, it certainly is not talked about enough. And your book, uh, Incurable Hope, a memoir, memoir and survival guide for coping with a loved one's addiction is amazing. And everyone, you can find it on Amazon, but we're going to bring Lisa back. We've got more to talk about. So stay tuned. More coming up with Lisa Genosa. You are listening to One Life Radio. You're listening to One Life Radio. Make sure you check out our podcast and get to know the show at oneliferadio.com. Protecting your health can get pretty complicated these days. And if you're like me, you have a counter full of supplements and it can be exhausting. I think most of us like to keep things simple. I know I do. That's one of the things I like about Cardio Miracle. It's a comprehensive heart and health supplement with over 50 ingredients and antioxidants, including organic beets, carrots, coconut, pineapple, and raspberries, combined with the best amino acids, such as L-arginine, L-citrulline, and L-ornithine. These ingredients work together synergistically to promote and sustain the body's natural production of nitric oxide. Our body is amazing, and it's important to remember that it wants to be healthy. By giving it natural and bioavailable nutrients, it can keep all of our different systems in shape, and it will work in the background to achieve a better level of overall health while you go about living your life. So give it what it needs with Cardio Miracle. Find Cardio Miracle at CardioMiracle.com. That's CardioMiracle.com. The ecosystems of the body and the earth are inseparable. Gut health is the foundation of all health. And just as biodiversity is integral to the health of the earth's ecosystems, microbial diversity and balance are key to the health of your gut microbiome. I have been taking Enviromedica probiotics for over six years now, and I encourage you to try them as well. Rewild your gut with spore-based probiotics and wild-harvested prebiotics. Visit Enviromedica.com and check out all of their excellent products. Get reconnected to the earth with Enviromedica. That's Enviromedica.com. We're back. More of One Life Radio starts now. Right, everyone, welcome back to One Life Radio. This is Bernadette Fiaschetti with Jerry Caldwell, Marie Early, and Lisa Genosa. Lisa M. Genosa. She is the author of the book Incurable Hope, a memoir. Memoir. I'm having trouble saying that word. Memoir and survival guide for coping with a loved one's addiction. And this is no funny matter. It isn't. And we've been through it in our own family. And so my heart goes out to you, Lisa. And I really, really respect you for writing this book. And I hope that it'll help a lot of people. A lot of families I do. It's a it's a rough road that you've been down, and anybody anybody who's been down it knows. You know it's and 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 you share a lot. You do, and and in a very wonderful way. So I encourage everyone to get a copy of Incurable Hope. You know you devote an entire chapter, Lisa, in your book to finding the right kind of help for an addict, and this is very critical. I've been through it myself, as I said. Can you tell us some of the ways that you tried to help your son over the years, and which ones were the most effective? Well, I think the first thing is, um, I, I, in the beginning, I didn't help him at all, at all. I failed miserably. And I talk about that because it's important to know that so many of us are just scrambling around trying to figure it out. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, after I 
came to my senses and started, you know, understanding things better. I was able to help him by, um, you know, uh, with a much more compassionate and empathetic approach, um, using the, the type of communication style, which, you know, was more effective and, and would elicit more of a, you know, positive response as opposed to getting any kind of argument. We, we really didn't argue too much, but we, you know, of course I was always um, just devastated you know, with the, with the circumstances at the time. Oh, yeah. So, you know, it, it was, it was really, really tough. I, I guess I want everyone to know that it, it it's a learning curve. The book was so that you can compress that timeline. So you're not spending, I spent almost 15 years trying to figure everything out and it's yeah. just to compress that long timeline to start understanding things ahead of time so that you can get in the game and help matters, you know, turn around as opposed to going through this for the long haul, like we did, um, but it really is meeting him where he was at, learning, um, you know, how to create effective boundaries um, and, and approaching him with love and understanding as opposed to, you know, kind of old school um, tough, uh, love. tough love and, and things yeah. like that. We, did, we doesn't just didn't work. do that. I don't think it, it works. Doesn't. It doesn't work. No. And so many people go to that and it really doesn't work. What they need is love and support and encouragement and let them know that no matter what, they have your unconditional love. That's my opinion. And and lift Absolutely. them up, not tear them down. We all have enough tearing down. Just, you know, living life, <laughs> we need to yeah, be built absolutely. up. Yeah. Absolutely. And there's a sense of abandonment, too, which yes. they already feel for themselves. Mm -hmm. So that just really enforces that abandonment issue. And mm -hmm. it's, it's just bad all the way around. So yeah, mm -hmm. I, I completely agree. Yeah. Are there, is there any other advice uh, that you can just a little tool to maybe to put in somebody's toolbox that's out there listening until they get the book Incurable Hope, a memoir of, and survival guide of, uh, for coping with a loved one's addiction. We're talking with Lisa Genosa. Uh, if you're just now joining the broadcast, we just have a couple more minutes left. But what other tools can you offer to parents or bits of advice who have a child suffering from addiction right now? Well, first of all, um, there was a, a really wise young lady who said, and I, I won't quote it perfectly, but she said, um, you know, don't wait until your life is perfect to be happy. And I, I can't emphasize enough to really take care of yourself, um, both your mental health and your physical health, and talk to people. Do not isolate. Um, it, it is it is not effective. It's not going to help yourself and certainly not your loved one. So get out there, talk, and ultimately when you can, when it's time, really try to turn your your pain into some purpose helping others because we all know you know it does come back around that I, I don't know how the universe works but i can assure you that helping others tends to help yourself quite a bit and and it ultimately helps the one that you love so much with with their uh, with these disorders so find that finding those ways is, is critically important yeah, it's so hard not to enable someone, right? Um, while you're trying to Absolutely. help them, because you want to, you just want to stop the suffering. You just want to hold them in your arms, like you write in the book, you know, and cuddle them, like when they were little, and tell them everything's going to be okay. But you know, um, yeah. enabling is a real problem. It is, and and I'm guilty of it myself. Um, with people, what were you going to say, Marie? Oh, I just wondered how Tyler was doing today. Yeah, I was going to ask that. Oh, that's yeah. <laughs> a great question. He's actually wonderful today. He's doing absolutely fantastic. Um, I'm so proud of him and so happy for him. He's, you know, getting near 30 years of age, and he is really, um, he's learned so much about life himself, our family. He's learned so much, and 
mm-hmm. um, has really taken that very seriously in, in his recovery. So mm-hmm. he knows he's got a lifetime of recovery ahead of himself, but he's, he's very, um, he's very happy today. Mm-hmm. Did he Thank have to go to rehab? That. Yeah, no, I was, oh, I was yeah. going to ask it as well as, did he have to go to rehab? You said he yes? went to rehab 10, 10 times. Oh, total. oh wow. Well, you know, mm-hmm. that's a whole other story in itself because I really do feel it's quite a racket, you know, <laughs> yeah. you know, I, because they don't a, do it effectively a, or for long enough. There is, a, right. the, there is a chapter in the book. You'll see that it actually I dedicate just to and I say at the beginning, like I'm kind of pulling back the curtain because I recognize that I'm selling or t- talking about some secrets, maybe, but. Um, I'm also giving some people some information about how to oh, find yeah. a effective recovery, what, what makes the most uh, use of your, your time, energy, and money. Yeah. I thank you so much for, for writing the book, Incurable Hope Everyone by Lisa M. Genosa. Thank you so much for <laughs> jumping on the air with us today. I really enjoyed it. And thank you again for writing the book. You're going to help a lot of people, Lisa. Thank you. Uh, thank you. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. Thank you. You're welcome. Everyone, it's Friday. Uh, You know what that means. It means it's time to relax for about 48 hours (laughs) till the daily grind starts again on Monday, for most of us anyway, and some people work every day. Uh, But you know what? Get out there and try to have some fun this weekend. Get out into this beautiful weather because you get one body, you get one mind, and you get one life. Have some fun.